Well, that's good. Well, good morning, Grace Community Church. So glad you guys are here today. And happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. In fact, I think a lot of you dads probably are home in bed live streaming, so I thought, heck, I'll just live stream the message right here from my bed. So that's what I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying breakfast. In fact, honey, is there any more pancakes? And what I'd like to do this morning for you dads is I'd like to give you a Father's Day tip. Just a little tip on something you may need to do sometimes. Some of you have never really done an old school diaper or even improvised. And so I want to show you how to improvise with a washcloth. Imagine this is a baseball diamond. Place it there and place yourself kind of at home plate at bat. Then take second base and fold it all the way to home plate. Then take the baby and place the baby on the pitcher's mound. Then you take first base and third base and attach them together, and you bring home plate up, and you pin it right there. Now, this is an important tip. In case of rain, you're going to have to call the game start all over. Well, that's a little Father's Day practical tip. So now we're going to pray, and then we're going to look at the Word together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this great day, Father's Day. We pray you just really speak into our dad's hearts today. Encourage us all. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, I couldn't bring myself to do it. The staff were egging me on to go ahead and do the whole thing from the bed, but I said, no, nah, I can't do it. I do want to just kind of piggyback on one of the announcements, though. This Saturday, we're having a Grace University. We're having two courses. Jerry Bates will be teaching a course on Knowing God. And Jerry is a gifted teacher. It'll be a great course, 9 to 1 on Saturday. And I'll be teaching a course on the Holy Spirit, 9 to 1 as well. And uh, it not won't be just information about the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a time, a ministry time of praying for fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit and everybody who comes to that meeting. So if you've already been through some training but feel like I, just, I really just need God to, you know, to refresh me by the Spirit, you might want to come to that as well. So there are going to be great classes, so I encourage you to take advantage of that. This coming Saturday at 9 to 1. Let's go ahead and pray one more time before we do look at the Word together. Father, we thank you. We do pray for this, the teaching ministry of your Spirit, Lord, that you'd really just enable dads to be encouraged today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I do need to start off with combination of review and one good dad joke. In the combination of review, we talked about Noah last week, and so put that first slide up there. Does anyone need an ark built? Because I know a guy. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Okay. Now let's get serious here. We, uh, last week we talked about what, that really what God's goal is in history. Out of the book of, of, of Numbers, he talks about the fact that his goal, his heart, is that one day the glory of the Lord will fill the whole earth. That is where history is headed. And anytime history is not going to be able to get there from where it's going, God intervenes and gives history a new beginning. And one of the times we see that is in the time of Noah. It says that in man's heart was continual evil. And so mankind had gotten so corrupt and so evil that it's going the opposite direction God wants history to go. Remember, God's goal in history is that all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. So God has to intervene and God brings judgment upon the earth, but he spares one man by the name of Noah and his family. And we last week, we focused on why does God choose Noah? 
Well, it says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So God's eyes were captured by something in Noah's life, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Well, the Bible tells us in James chapter 4, verse 6, that God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. And when God wants to use somebody for his purposes on the earth, when he wants to intervene and pick somebody, a man or a woman, for his purposes, he's looking for someone who's humble. In fact, we saw in Isaiah chapter 60, 66, verse 2, it says this, But to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. So when God is looking to who he's going to use, it says that this is the one I'm looking for. To him or to her who is humble and contrite of spirit, who trembles at my word. So again, we see that God does new beginnings throughout the book of Genesis. We talked about how he did that last week, Genesis chapter 6, the days of Noah. He does it again in Genesis chapter 11 when, when all mankind's building the Tower of Babel and mankind's not spreading across the earth, bringing the glory of the Lord across the whole earth, but they're all assembled in one place and they're not building the tower to the glory of God. They're building to the glory of man. And so God, again, intervenes, scatters people uh, with different languages and different ethnicities around the earth. So again, he intervenes. But then we get to Genesis chapter 6, and he intervenes again and picks one man by the name of Abram. He later changed Abram's name to Abraham. And Abraham is going to be, he says, you're going to be the father of a great nation. But the purpose of him picking Abraham and Abraham being the father of this nation was that that nation would actually reach all the nations of the earth with the glory of the Lord. That was really the plan of God. So I want to back up and we're going to look at Genesis chapter 12 today and focus on why even today when, when billions of people throughout history have called Abraham Father Abraham, I want us to look at his life, the life of Father Abraham, and really see if we can determine some encouragements for dads today uh, out of his life. But I want to begin by focusing on why does God choose Abraham? Besides being a humble man, Abraham is also presented in the Bible as the extreme example of faith. He is, in the Old Testament, the epitome of faith. And the Bible is very clear that faith pleases God. So again, so on this Father's Day, we're going to look at Father Abraham's life and draw some encouragement for all the dads here and all those dads that are home in bed eating pancakes. So I'm going to focus on three encouragements for dads from the life of Father Abraham. Let's go ahead and read the passage first. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Genesis 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I'll make you a great nation, and I'll bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So the first encouragement from Father Abraham's life for dads is this. God's blessing in your calling is worth the sacrifice of your calling. Let me say it again. God's blessing in your calling is worth the sacrifice of your calling. Notice that God gives a calling to Abraham. He calls him to do something. He gives him this command. 
Abraham follows the call. And then God says in verse 2 and 3, he says, but I will make you a great nation. Listen to this. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you. The one who curses you, I'll curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There's one word that keeps occurring in those two verses. What is that word? Bless. See, this really gives the motivation behind the actions. See, God wants to bless Abraham and doesn't want just to bless Abraham so he will be blessed. He wants to bless him so he'll be a blessing. In fact, he wants to bless Abraham that all the earth would be blessed uh, through him and through his descendants. You know, blessing is something that God is into. We have a God who's a God that loves to bless. He loves to do it. And one of the main reasons why Abraham is able to trust God for his calling is because he's utterly convinced that God is a God of blessing. See, because if you're not convinced that God is a God of blessing, then you will not persevere in your calling. Let me say that again. If you're not convinced that our God is a God of blessing, you will not persevere in your calling. I want to talk a little bit about dads and the calling for, on dads here just for just a moment. Because I've talked to, we have so many great dads in this, in this church, and we got so many and honest dads who we admit to one another when we're struggling with something. But I've, there's been times when I've heard dads say, you know, it's just, I'm just frustrated uh, with, with the hassle, the sacrifice, not being respected, not being appreciated, and I feel like quitting. And what they're saying, when you get to that place, what you're saying is that you believe that the blessing of the set, you know, that the blessing of the sacrifice isn't worth the sacrifice. And so anytime you come to a place where you're not willing to make the sacrifice anymore, what's really happening is you're falling into unbelief. You're not believing it's worth it anymore. You're not believing that God will keep his end of the deal and blessing. And he always does. The truth is that the blessings of God will far surpass any sacrifice any of us make in our lives. So to dads here, I just want to encourage you guys, hang in there. The sacrifice is worth the blessing that's coming. So that's the first encouragement for dads. It's going to be worth it, dads. Yes, there's sacrifice. There's hard work. Yes, it goes unappreciated many times. Yes, there's a high price to pay. But the blessing in the calling is worth the sacrifice of the calling. Continue to believe it, and it'll cause you to hang in there. If you cease to believe that, then you won't persevere in it, and you'll begin to kind of, you know, bow out of your calling. So God's blessing in your calling is worth the sacrifice of your calling. So that's the first simple encouragement from the life of Abraham. Now I want to tie a second one in, which closely related to the first one. The second encouragement from the life of Father Abraham's life for dads is, number two, what you gain with God's what you gain with God is worth more than what you can possibly lose in the world. Therefore, hold things loosely. Because Abraham's life is a life of a man who holds things so loosely. He wasn't poor, but he held what he had loosely. In fact, it's amazing. Think about the call. God says to Abraham, go from your country and your tribe and your father's house and your immediate family and to the land I'll show you. In other words, everything that's familiar to you, I want you to leave it and go to a place that's not familiar to you, a new place. And Abraham does it. He leaves. And by the way, he left a great deal behind. In fact, he was, he was willing to live in tents the rest of his life. And that's what he does. 
Now, it doesn't mean he took a, a vow of poverty because when we get to Genesis chapter 13, it says that Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. He wasn't a poor man, but we do see in his life that he held things very loosely with an open palm. How do we know that? Well, there's so many examples in his life. Let me just give you one. Remember that Abraham's nephew Lot went with him, and they brought all of what they had with them, including their livestock, you know, what they brought. And so they had this gigantic you know, inventory of livestock between the two of them. And, so, and they realized the land that they were in near Bethel couldn't, couldn't handle that much livestock, so they were going to have to separate. So Abraham takes Lot up to the top of a mountain, and they look over the land, and they see some land over here that is, is being watered by uh, the River Jordan. It's plush. And the land over here is not so good. And Abraham gives Lot the choice. He says, here's your choice, this one or this one. Now, Abraham could have chose. He was the older. He was the more powerful. It was actually, he's actually one that should have chose. But he, he relinquishes to his younger nephew and gives him the choice. And Lot chooses the better land. And Abraham lets him have it. And I think Abraham's glad to let him have it. That's, that's by the way, that's what good fathers are like. Good fathers, are, they, they, they love to pay a price for those they love. They love to do it. That means good fathers, they just hold things very loosely for their loved ones. And I want to just highlight this, this morning a few things that you, know, you dads hold loosely because you love your children. And I just want to go through it. I can think of 12 things that I'll give to you real quick that I know you dads hold loosely. Number one, your lifestyle. Some of you gave up the bar life where you, your good drinking buddy was your wingman. Now instead of downing beer after beer, you sip on iced tea and your new wingman drinks out of a sippy cup. <laughs> your schedule. Some of you gave up Friday night poker with the guys to play Candyland with your kids. That's holding things loosely. Your money. Some of you decided you didn't need to upgrade to a new set of golf clubs or a new high-def TV, and you started diverting funds to a college savings account for your kids. That's holding things loosely. Your sleep. Some of you barely remember when you used to sleep in on Saturday morning because you gave your kids permission. They can come wake you up on Saturday morning so you can get up and make them pancakes and watch VeggieTales with them. That's holding things loosely. Your job. I know many of you guys have declined promotion after promotion in other jobs because you would have traveled too much and been away from your family. That's holding things loosely. Your coolness. Some of you used to be cool. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but you're not cool anymore. Some of you need, some of you, all you need now is one of those pocket protectors and you could be, you could qualify for the cast of Revenge of the Nerds Part 8. You're not cool anymore. But you are Superman to your children. And Superman trumps cool any day of the week, amen? Your social life. Some of you gave up going to the Dallas Cowboy games or the Dallas Maverick games or the Texas Ranger games so you wouldn't miss Grace Prep playing Covenant Christian. That's holding things loosely. Your home life. Some of you guys gave up the right to call your home your castle. And now it's pretty much run by the little prince and little princess, and that's okay with you. And that's holding things loosely. Your privacy. Some of you guys give up all privacy in your house, except the bathroom, and you're glad you have a lock on that door. <laughs> that's holding things loosely. High-risk adventure list. Some of you guys gave up your dream of skydiving and hang gliding until maybe 80 years of age 
because your family, you know, needs you more than it does your life insurance payout. Your mode of transportation. Some of you guys gave up that dream of a sports car or that four-wheel drive super truck so you could drive in a minivan. That's holding things loosely. And this is probably the hardest one of all, number 12, last one, your heart. Some of you have done possibly the hardest one of all already. It seems like just yesterday you took her little hand and walked her to Adventureland, and now you've already packed her car for college, and you're making the most difficult sacrifice any dad ever makes. You're letting part of you go. That's holding things loosely. You know, being a great dad is hard because it involves sacrifice. All good dads give up so much temporarily in this life for the happiness of their family. So Abraham, in our example, he holds tightly to God. That means he holds loosely to everything else. And that's what a lot of you dads have done. And I want to commend you for it. I tell you, I know a lot of people just uh, they overlook so much that dads do. Uh, and, it's, and it's so much is taken for granted by dads. And I just want to say that this morning to you dads, I know, you know the price many of you have paid for your families, and I just commend you for being great dads. Yeah. And we got a church full of them. Yeah, give them a hand. Okay, the third encouragement from the father Abraham's life for dads, I want to take a little more time with, and it's uh, and I think it's and it's a little bit it's a little bit more serious in nature, but very important that we receive the encouragement uh, from his life. Remember, God comes to Abraham. Abraham's seventy-five years old. And God says, "You're going to become a father. In fact, you're going to become the ancestor of a great nation." But it won't happen today, and it won't happen tomorrow. Do you know how long Abraham waited? For that promise to be fulfilled? For, yeah, 24 years. He was 75 years old. For 24 years, he then waits. That's how long he had to wait. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait. I don't like it when someone puts me on hold on the phone. By the way, how many of you love to be put on hold on the phone? I don't like it when I got to stand in line at the bank or the post office. I don't like being at a stoplight when I'm right behind an accelerator-challenged person when the light turns green. I don't like it when I pull in the gas station and all the pumps are full and I got to wait for somebody who forgot, you know, and they got to go in and pay. And I don't like to wait. But those are, none of those are very, very serious. There are some serious kinds of waiting. Many of you understand what I'm talking about. There are some serious, difficult kinds of waiting. There's a waiting of a single person to see if God has marriage in, for, in store for him or for her. There's a waiting of a childless couple who desperately want a family, but day after day and week after week, their prayers seem to go unanswered. There's a waiting of somebody who longs to work at some job that would be meaningful to them and they'd really enjoy it, but they don't seem, can't seem to find it. There's a waiting of a deeply depressed person hoping for a morning that could finally wake up and really feel like living. There's a waiting of a spouse who's strapped in a hurting marriage and nothing seems to change. There's a waiting for a prodigal to come home, but they seem like they never will. There's a waiting of an elderly senior citizen in a nursing home all alone. Their health is gone and they feel like they're just waiting to die. Those are serious kinds of waiting, and many of you are in some of those places. Psalm 37 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Wait patiently for him. It goes on to say, 
Wait for the Lord and keep to his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. Obvious question is simply this. Why does God make us wait? I mean, if God is good and loving and he can do anything which he can, why doesn't he intervene and just give us relief immediately? Well, the answer is this. What God does in us while we wait is, in fact, as important as what we are waiting for. Apostle Paul says this. He says, he says, while we're waiting for God, we suffer. And then he goes on to say, but it's suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. So God is producing these qualities in us while we are waiting. And many of you are in a waiting pattern, a holding pattern right now. What you've got to remember is God is producing some character in you that you're going to need for the next assignment. This is not, you're not just wasting time in this holding pattern. God is doing something in you. And some of you dads are in a place of waiting, waiting for God to come through, waiting for God to answer that prayer that you keep on praying and you hadn't seen it answered yet. God is producing in us the character we're going to need for the next assignment. Waiting on the Lord is this continual daily decision of saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I don't like the circumstances I'm seeing right now. It doesn't seem like things are working out the way I was hoping, but I'm going to trust you. I don't have a plan B, God. I only got a plan A, and I'm waiting on you. So waiting means I trust God that, that you got this. I trust that you know what you're doing, and I trust you know the best time to do it. You know, there's this wonderful promise in the Bible I want to really take our last minutes with, Isaiah chapter 40. Beautiful words from the prophet Isaiah. As the Lord speaks through him, Isaiah 40, starting verse 20, says this. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. To him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youth grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. See, sometimes when you wait on the Lord, you will mount up and soar with wings like eagles. This is a magnificent picture. An eagle can soar. An eagle's wings are so strong, it's capable of catching these rising currents of warm air, these thermal winds, and go straight up out of sight of the earth. They've clocked eagles soaring without even flapping their wings once. They've clocked them at 80 miles an hour, just soaring on these rising air currents. It's a magnificent picture. Where the writer says, for those who wait on the Lord, that those times will come in your life. Those times that everything just flows, everything just falls forward, it's all downhill. Those times you're soaring and you kind of catch a, a wind of the Spirit of God and, and everything just seems to be working out in your spiritual life so simply and so easily and so powerfully. Your prayers get answered just right away. You see God doing powerful things. You're just astonished at how he's using you in your life. You're rising up above temptation and sin. 
You know, you get flooded with strength and wisdom beyond your ability. You're just kind of soaring right now. And some of you are in that place as you're waiting on the Lord, and that is great. Just continue to flow in the Spirit's power and, and continue to soar. But then there's the next line. Some of you in this room aren't soaring, but you're running and not growing weary. Now, if that's you, then your life is not effortless. It's not downhill slide. Everything's not falling forward. You're not seeing a lot of miracles, but you're persisting and you're determined you're going to keep running this race and stay in the course. And even though you feel frustration, you still feel God's pleasure in your obedience and you keep on running. Obeying, serving, praying, giving. And if that's you, don't try to manufacture spiritual ecstasy in that place. Your time to soar will come. But right now, just keep running. Just keep staying faithful to where God has you and keep growing strong because when you do run, you are growing stronger. But then there's a third line. Some of us aren't soaring right now and we're not even able to run. You just barely make it up through another day and you're just kind of walking. Okay, am I on here? Good. So you just, you just kind of walk in and, you just, and, and just, you're just thinking, okay, God, I'm going to hang in there. I don't feel very triumphant. I've been hurt. I've been wounded. I've suffered loss. I'm confused, but I'm going to keep on walking. Now, it's interesting that the Son of God becomes a man and a historical person of Jesus of Nazareth, and he experiences all three of these. Did you know that? There are times where Jesus soared. I think when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was so immersed with the glory of God that his body literally, physically radiant, you know, emanated beauty and light. I think he soared on that day. And I think when he stood outside Lazarus' tomb and just with a word, Lazarus' dead body, his good friend Lazarus, comes out full of life, I think Jesus soared on that day. But he didn't always soar. There are some times where he faced some pretty serious obstacles, but I think he just kept running. When he wept over the defiance of Jerusalem, I think he was, that was a day of just running, staying on course and running. When he faced opposition with the religious leaders, who should have been his first followers but resisted him every step of the way, he just kept running. I think when he got frustrated with the disciples who just couldn't get what he's trying to teach them, Time and time again, he just kept running. He didn't turn aside from the course. Even when that course went uphill, he kept running. He kept plugging away. But then one day, it came time to take the road to Calvary to the cross. And he wasn't soaring on that day. And when the cross was placed on his bruised and bleeding back, he didn't sprint up Calvary. He was a young man, think about this, but he stumbled and fell that day. Think about the creator of the universe, his knees buckled under the weight of the cross, and he stumbled, but he got back up, and he kept walking, and all he could do is just walk some more. See, the truth is, sometimes walking is all you can do where you're at spiritually, but in those times, you need to know, in those times... Thank God walking is enough. In fact, I want to say this to all you dads. I think maybe 
when life is the hardest and we want so badly to quit, but we say to God from the deepest part of our being, unsupported by any soaring emotion, you know, or any running strength, we simply say to God, I'm not going to quit. No matter what, I won't quit. I'll just keep putting one foot in front of another. I'll take up my cross. I'll follow you, Jesus, on the hardest roads, and I'll stay true to you. Now, I think maybe, just maybe, that God prizes our walking even more than our soaring and our running. Because when we wait, because because what, what we're waiting for is not as important as what's happening in us as we wait. Because God is doing a great work as we wait. So I just want to say to dads, guys, be true to your calling. Be true to your calling as dads, no matter what the cost, no matter how much you got to give up in this world, no matter how long it may take. It's worth it. It's worth what we're waiting for. And it's worth what God's doing in us while we wait. And let me put one more thing on there. And it's worth who we're waiting for. It's all going to be worth the wait. Let's all stand for prayer. Some of you right now, uh, just talking about walking in a difficult place, some of you are thinking, that's me, I'm there. I'm there right right now. I'm not soaring, I'm not running. I'm just trying to hang in there. Father, you know everyone who's in that place. We just pray now. I pray for strength. By the power of your spirit, would you strengthen those men, women, boys, girls who are right there just saying, Lord, I just need, I need strength to get through this day. And then tomorrow morning, Lord, I'm going to need strength to get through that day. Lord, you give us the grace to keep on walking. For those who are running and are persevering, Lord, continue to strengthen them in this season. Continue to just use them as they, and Lord, for those who are soaring, Lord, I just pray you'd enable them to continue to stay in that flow of the spirit as they soar. Lord, also, I just want to pray for dads today who uh, just need a touch from you. Lord, I'm not, I'm not asking any dads to raise your hand and come up, but just you know who you are. Father, would you just have your hand upon any dad who just, they just need to have a special touch from you today? Would you touch their, touch their minds, their bodies, their hearts, their spirit, their soul, their body? Lord, just touch them, strengthen them. And we pray, Lord, you continue to raise up mighty men of God in this church Lord, and you continue to bless our families and strengthen them. And I pray, Lord, that you'd bless every father and every Father's Day gathering here and fill it with joy and, and just enjoyment and no grief added to it. No drama, Lord. We just pray for just great peace and joy in all these gatherings. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day, guys. Have a great day.